Water is a matter of life or death. We need water to live. We need to drink it. We need it to cook. We need it to clean. We need it to wash. We can't go all that long without water, maybe, maybe three days. But if we have water, we can actually go a long time without food. Weeks and into, into a month plus, you know, maybe two or three months if we, uh, for some people. Now, we don't think of the absolute necessity of water because we are blessed to live in a time and a place where we simply have to turn on a faucet and we have abundant, clean, drinkable water. For the vast majority of history, and in some places of the world still, that's not the case. For most people throughout history, obtaining water meant going to the well and bringing it back, as the Samaritan woman was going to do in the gospel today. What she was doing was wholly ordinary in her day. It was a laborious and tedious task that had to be done daily. You would grab your jar or your bucket, go to the well, fill it up, and then haul it back. But in this gospel for today, this daily and tedious chore is also a symbol. A symbol for what the fathers of the church call concupiscent desire. Now don't be intimidated by the theological term there. Concupiscent desire is a simple concept. As St. Augustine wrote, God created us for himself and our hearts are restless until we rest in God. But we fallen human beings, we have a tendency to look for the ultimate rest, for the ultimate happiness that we long for, not in the infinite God who can satisfy our hearts and souls, but in his finite creatures and the goods of this world. So we have a tendency to pursue wealth or pleasure, to pursue, pursue honor or prestige or power or fill in the blank as if upon attaining it, we will find the happiness we long for. And we will find, at least temporarily, a little glimpse of happiness, only for that restlessness to return, only for us to be disappointed. So how is a woman's daily chore of obtaining water from the well, a symbol of concupiscent desire. Really, Jesus spells this out for us. He says to her, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus draws the analogy. Just as we thirst, and in the ancient world, to quench that thirst, it meant walking to the well, filling up a jar, drinking, bringing it back until it ran out and that thirst came back and then you had to go back to the will. It was only a temporary reprieve. So when we pursue these worldly goods as if they'll satisfy us, we'll find temporary solace, but we won't find that ultimate happiness we long for, that restlessness will return. Case in point is this Samaritan woman. You know, Jesus says what I just quoted and it doesn't quite click with her. She doesn't get the point. She says, give me this water so I don't have to come here every day and draw it. So our Lord pivots. He says, go call your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you don't. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. He brings up the most painful detail about her life. Something that would be scandalous in our day, quite a bit more in the ancient world to have had five husbands and to be living with a man who's not your husband. 
But he brings this up not to shame her, rather to heal her and to teach her and us that just as she would come to this well to quench her thirst one day only to have to return the next when the thirst came back, so too she was doing the same with men. She would go looking for a husband, a soulmate, in whom she would find the peace and happiness she longed for. And she would, for a time, I'm sure, be happy until things inevitably went south and she realized, this man can't make me happy. So she would pick up her jar and return to the well, so to speak, find another husband, and the process would repeat again and again. As this woman had gone from husband to husband, what she was really thirsting after was God, although she didn't know it or couldn't articulate it. The truth is, marriage and family is very good. It's the highest of natural goods. But even this good cannot satisfy completely and totally our restless hearts. Yet this time, the woman goes to the well and finds the one she looks for. Not a soulmate, not husband number six, but a savior, the Messiah, the incarnate Lord. And we see three things happen to this woman in her conversation with Jesus. First, faith is ignited in her heart and soul. And she accepts this gift. She believes the words that Jesus speaks. Unlike Israel in the first reading, who had seen wonder upon wonder, miracle upon miracle up to that point, and still they rebel and distrust the Lord, this woman trusted the word of the Lord after just seeing one miracle. Christ read her soul. Secondly, we see that she drops her jar. This symbolizes repenting of her sin. No longer will she fruitlessly search to quench her thirst, to look for ultimate happiness and pleasure in relationships. For she knows he who alone can satisfy her restlessness, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And finally, she has discovered what is goodness, he who is goodness himself, and she can't keep this to herself, and so she is moved to evangelize, to go and bear witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. She invites the town to meet our Lord, and many, many come to believe in him. Tradition tells us this woman has a name, Saint Fotina, that what began with, at the well with this conversation continued. She continued to bear witness to Christ until she died a martyr's death, bearing witness to Jesus by shedding her blood. Fotina was a woman, five times married, cohabitating with a man, living in sin, as we so commonly used to call that situation. The reality is still unchanged. But she's called to be a saint, as we all are. No sin is stronger than God's mercy. No number of sin is beyond his power to forgive. And she drops the jar and accepts this spring of living water, the sanctifying grace that our Lord offers her, that enables her to be an adopted daughter of God. We too are called to be saints like St. Saint Fotina. And it begins, or at least one of the most crucial aspects of that, is to daily converse with our Lord as she did to bend the knee in prayer, to speak and listen to Jesus reflecting on his words. If we do that, he will ignite faith in our heart and soul. This living waters of his grace received in the sacraments will grow and expand in our hearts. 
If we do this, we will be spurred to repent of our sins, to drop our jar, so to speak. And finally, we will be moved to bear witness to the truth of the gospel. The God who brought water in abundance from the rock, he changed Fotina into a saint. And he'll do the same with us if we let him.